Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids. And across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Starting a new series today in the book of James, which you're going to love. Very confident about that. It's going to be challenging, but it's going to be great. It's my book after all, it's my namesake's book. And I'm looking at James 1 today, so go and grab your Bibles if you haven't got them already. But this sermon is for me in my heart today. As a, as a preacher, somebody who speaks week in, week out, sometimes you have, you're always preaching to yourself, you're always speaking to yourself, but sometimes the words come off the page and you're like, this is for me. And so really today I'm just preaching to myself and you're welcome to listen in. That's, that's how I feel about it. I've, I've woken up a number of times in the night this week with the words of this passage resounding and kind of chewing around my mind, it, just beginning to embed them in my soul. And they have been a real comfort. They've been really beautiful. So I've called the series Real Faith. And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by real faith? Well, James is an incredibly practical book. It's what's known in the New Testament as wisdom literature. Uh, it's very down to earth. It's, it's kind of gritty. It's helpful. And James is in some ways a bit of a unique book in the New Testament because it, it takes the gospel. It takes Jesus, the words of Jesus, and then goes in, in life. And how then shall we live? And, and James wants to get into your business and challenge you about life and real life. So that's where we've got the title Real Faith from. So who's the author? Who is this James? If you really want to understand the book, you need to understand something about the person who wrote it. So verse one gives us gives us an introduction and there's there's a real story behind it. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there were there are a number of people in the Bible named James. There was James, the brother of John. There's James, son of Alphaeus. Strong, strong name. But there was one man who came to be one of the four pillars of the early church. In the very first generation of Christians, you would have had Paul, Peter, John and James. And they were kind of seen as the early leadership of the church. But this James, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was James the brother of Jesus himself. And I've just been kind of mulling that idea. I know that Jesus had a brother, but you start thinking about it. Wow, what would it have been like to be a sibling of Jesus? To be Jesus's brother, you know, when you're in an argument or something and you're like, yeah, he's kind of above approach. He doesn't ever seem to be wrong. But isn't it amazing that James, having lived alongside Jesus, turns out to be one of the kind of the great early church leaders? So my title today is 
real faith perseveres. And my definition of perseveres, and this is one that I've made up myself, it's not an Oxford dictionary, it's a ranking dictionary, and it's just this, keeps on keeping on, keeps on keeping on. So I'm just going to read from the passage in James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It's quite a start to a passage, isn't it? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Like a, it's like an explosion in your mind, isn't it? How? How is that even possible? Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So, so what are we talking about by a trial? Well, a trial is a trouble, it's a, a difficulty, it's a problem, and it's also a test. Do you see this word testing? You face trials of many kinds, which is the testing of your faith. And that word testing is, is a word with connotations of something called smelting. Some of you are like, what is smelting? Smelting is if you, you take ore and you apply enormous heat to it and the precious metals in it, whether silver or gold or just something precious, survive, but the worthless metals are either oxidised or they're turned into slag. So they, they begin to fall off and separate from the precious metal. Often what happens is they rise to the surface in the process and then somebody just begins to kind of almost just take off those impurities at the top. So not only James, but 1 Peter and Hebrews talk about suffering as a kind of furnace that it tests your faith. And throughout this passage, we, we see this theme of perseverance in the face of trial and pressure. He's encouraging the believers to keep going in the face of extreme difficulty and great challenges. Keep on keeping on. And even though we follow Jesus, we're not immune to trials, are we? I think often when people come to faith for those first couple of months, you know, it's often amazing. And then suddenly something comes in, a trial, because we're not immune from them. And suddenly they're like, God. I didn't know that this was going to happen. Where, how do I begin to deal with this? And sometimes we think that as well. We're thinking, do you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm following you. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying my best to forgive people. I'm trying to live my faith out. But I'm encountering all of these difficulties. All of these things are crowding in on me. Help. By the way, that little phrase that's translated in verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. They're going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us at some point. And it's the same verb that's, that's used for a ship that's sailing along smoothly in the water and then it runs into a reef. And the imagery that I've been thinking about, I don't, don't know whether any of you have seen the film Titanic. I haven't actually seen it for quite a long while. It is a three-hour epic but it gives this 
beautiful picture, doesn't it, of the Titanic, you know, setting sail on its maiden voyage. And it's just one, it's just a party, isn't it? Everything's amazing, the the weather's beautiful and it's going on faster and suddenly they're like, ramp up the engines, let's see, you know, we're, we're testing this boat for the first time, let's see what it can do. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this iceberg comes and suddenly the boat's trying to tack, 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 tack and it, and it doesn't make it and it hits and suddenly water's coming on board. That's often what it can feel like when a trial hits. Um, that's what it feels like right now with COVID-19, doesn't it? The, you know, many of you might have been experiencing a lot of stuff before, but this has kind of magnified it. So, you know, we were going along then out of nowhere, this pandemic hit and the world changes. Suddenly, security's gone, jobs under threat, threat to loved ones, you know, our health becomes a massive consideration. Unexpected things are cr kind of crowded in on us. And so how do we respond? How do we respond with real faith in these moments? As, you know, people of faith, what does that look like? And so James is so helpful in this moment of just beginning to unpack. It's like, you're, you're going to experience trials. In this life, you will have trouble. There are going to be difficult things that you're going to have to cope with. But how are you going to respond to these things? And so there's a number of different ways that we can respond. And I just want to start by talking about negative responses to trials. In verse 12, it says this, Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial, because when they've stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When we're experiencing difficulty, we may feel physically awful or discouraged because of a relationship or somebody has misunderstood us, James is suggesting to us that often we're praying the wrong prayers in those moments. And I know what you pray, because you probably pray what I pray, which is, God, get me out. It's like that Star Trek moment, isn't it? You know, Spock and um, Captain Kirk, sorry, had a mind blank then, Captain Kirk, they're fighting and there's this awful situation that's like, beam me up, Scotty, get me out, teleport me out. That's often what we want and again it's not wrong to pray for that it's not wrong to pray god break in change this situation heal me fix me fix this other person get rid of them or him or her give me more money in all in other ends i just want this trial to end and it's not wrong to pray for deliverance or blessing or an end to the trial but there are other prayers as well that i think james is encouraging us to pray and two in particular being Lord, help me from quitting, and Lord, help me from sinning. These two things, quitting and sinning, and they are two great dangers for us. So let's just take it in turns just to kind of just unpack those for a moment. Coming back to verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. James mentions a quality here that will gain us the crown of life, perseverance, the same quality he mentions in Verses three and four, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Elsewhere in the Bible, we have this word persevere as well. And the really famous one that comes to mind for me is always Hebrews 12. Let us throw off everything 
that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, it's almost like these things are coming up as we're running and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's the quality that he's looking for. That he's talking about this race that all of us are running, this, this race of life. And um, I don't know whether many of you have got into running during this time again. I've started getting back into running, which is just very painful. You're like, I used to be able to do this. I run a mile now. And then you just reach the point that you're like, I just want to stop. Why am I, why am I even doing this? And I've never had that more. About four years ago, I was running the half marathon and I was, I was cooking on gas. I was literally cruising and I'd got through about eight miles and I was sitting there, I was overtaking people and I was like, wow, I'm really fast. I'm really fit. And then I was coming alongside Roth Lake, coming around the lake, and I just hit this moment where the wheels fell off the Rankin bus and suddenly my face started getting red. I was like, oh, I'm not all right. Just the incline was tiny, but to me it was like the biggest hill that you've ever seen. And so I'm going around the lake and the problem with the lake is it's where all the people are cheering you on and people from church were like, yay, come on, James. And you're like, it's all gone wrong. And just these thoughts come into your mind of, you just need to quit. You just need, I don't even know why you thought this was a good idea. This is, a, this is terrible. This is a stupid idea. James, just stop. So there was one moment where I, I stopped. I was like, I could just go into the crowd. I could just disappear because it's less humiliating than going past people almost walking. But when we're talking about this race of life and, and quitting, this is such a great analogy, isn't it, of what it feels like just wanting to quit. Sometimes... We're just asking this question, is it worth it? Is it worth it to keep following Jesus when the situation is not changing? Is it worth it to keep obeying Jesus and honouring my commitments when I don't feel like I'm getting anything in return right now? Is it worth trusting Jesus when my financial condition isn't turning around straight away? Or refusing to compromise in an area when others, when others seem to be happier when they compromise? Why not just give up? Just give up. Why not just settle for mediocrity? I know that one day I'm going to be with him. Why? Why go after this holy life, this godly life? Why radically pursue him, especially when I'm in pain? It's this, it's this pain, isn't it? It's just easier to quit and to stop. And that was exactly what I experienced. Satan will come along and tell you, the fact that you're fighting means that there's a problem. The fact that you're struggling and wrestling with your emotions means that you've got a problem. Fighting is never a problem. Your wrestling and trials, your difficulties, is never a problem. The problem is always that we might give up, that we might stop wrestling, quit wrestling, that we might throw in the towel and just be like, I'm out. For me, I could have just disappeared into the crowd. So that's one of the two greatest dangers that we face quitting. Stopping is too hard, I'm out. James says, do you know the way to eternal life? The crown of life is, I think, another metaphor for eternal life. The enjoyment of full life with God, he says, do you know the way to eternal life? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Over and over again, the Bible says the only way that we know that our faith is, is real, that it's genuine, that it's authentic, is because we persevere, because we stand the test. 
And that phrase stood the test means that we've been declared genuine, that we've been approved and stamped by the Lord. And God says, you are 100% mine. You're a child of God. Then you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So that's the first one, quitting. The second one is sinning. We ought to be praying not only, Lord, deliver me from this particular trial, but Lord, keep me from sinning. Keep me from sin. Um, Let's be honest, we all understand this, don't we? You know exactly what I'm talking about. When we're pressured, there's a temptation to become bitter about the way that we've been treated or to take revenge against somebody that's hurt us. When we experience trials, we're tempted to sin, to seek a more fulfilling relationship outside of marriage. We might want to escape and and use a particular drug of choice, whether that's eating or shopping or substance abuse or drinking too much or pornography. You know, the places we go to when we want to self-medicate. Here's what James says in James 1 verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. We can never turn around and say, God, it's your fault that I messed up. You set me up. I had no choice. I'm not responsible. My parents are responsible for the way that I am. We can never come before him and say, I had no choice. We, and I talked about this last week, we have to take responsibility for our mess. We have to own it. We have to come before the Lord as Peter did. And he just acknowledged it. And he was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I messed up. James tells us that God cannot be tempted by evil, that he's totally pure. There's nothing in his nature that would succumb to evil. Therefore, God never tries to trip us up. He never tries to rip us off. He never tempts anyone. He's not given to sin and he doesn't lead anyone into sin. So Lord, keep me from quitting and just getting out of the race. Lord, keep me from sinning and just turning to destructive behaviours rather than pressing into intimacy with God like I talked about last week what we do is we withdraw and we self-medicate and we go over here and we put our trust and our time and our energy into other things we to guard against these things so I've talked about the negative and you're like come on James get off the negative get to something more positive what's the positive response to trial back to verse two consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds This is the verse that's just been going round and round and round. I'm like, how? The Bible links these two words together, joy and trials, joy and suffering, joy and pain. Hunger and pain, absolutely. Frustration and pain, yes, self-pity and pain. Those words go together. But joy and pain, do those two words go? And this is when we begin to understand that the Holy Spirit's at work. This is not natural. You say it's unnatural to rejoice in suffering. And the Bible says, absolutely, there's the grace. Joy is a gift. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Here's what we read in other scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Bible regularly tells us that there's an incredible gift that God gives to his children, is the ability to experience joy even in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances. See that with Paul in prison. He's singing. He's bringing his captors to know the Lord. 1 Peter 1.6 In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. The Christian doesn't rejoice because they're in pain. Absolutely not. 
Christians can rejoice in spite of the pain. You don't say, amazing, I've got a headache, isn't it great? Or, I've got a flat tire, yes, praise be to God. Isn't it wonderful that a friend betrayed me? No, that's masochistic. I don't like the pain. Christians rejoice in spite of the pain. Why? Because we know something. Here's what James writes. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when we experience loss or pain in this broken and fallen world, we know that God is at work alongside us in the suffering. There's a spiritual dynamic that's at work in the difficulty. As Christians, we've been let in on a secret regarding trial that no one else has. In the process, we become refined to look more like God. I talked about smelting earlier, didn't I? That refining process of gold and the other things being kind of burnt off in the heat, in the furnace. And that's what's happening. We look more like Jesus. We must never forget that our saviour knew all about this. That he knew about betrayal abandonment, physical pain, humiliation, and we could look at it at our own lives and go, it's unjust, it's unfair, I can't believe it. And, you know, we're allowed to wrestle. We're allowed to have our moments with God and just be run and, God, I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. That's just real. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to remember that we have a saviour who took on all of those things. I know for me, in the, in the midst of trial, when I'm going through a really tough time, a spiritual practice that I found really helpful is fasting. Um, I don't know about you, but my prayer life often kicks into life in these moments. So suddenly I'm praying and, and, and fasting is just a beautiful addition to that because suddenly it's like, oh, do you know what? There's all of these situations going on and God, I surrender. I give them to you. And fasting, going out without food is just a way of um, just saying, God, I put you back on the throne. I put you in charge, Lord. I'm going to intercede for this thing. I'm going to go without food to pray for this, to concentrate my mind, to give this to you, to give myself to you. In order that not only would you change this situation, but in, in the process that you would change me, that you would change my heart, that you would show me perspective. Give me perspective on this. What are you doing? Where are you moving? How's this going to work out? And so real faith perseveres. It keeps on keeping on. And in doing so, it doesn't quit. It doesn't turn to, you know, sinning behaviours and all of these things. Instead, it's like, Lord, show me what you're doing in the middle of this. Lord, I want to be able to praise you. I want to be able to rejoice. And Lord, there's a deep work going on in me that you're producing gold in the middle of this situation. So why don't we just pray and finish in Jesus. All of us are feeling it right now. We're all feeling trials of different natures and and it looks different for each one of us but Lord I don't want to exit the race I don't want to turn to the other things I want to pursue you in the midst of it I want to pursue godliness I want to pursue holiness I want to pursue your face I want to pursue the things of the kingdom and so Lord I need your help I say help me right now help me be more like Jesus So just take a moment, just invite him into what's going on. Don't hide your face from him.
We give you our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.